The Bible reading this morning comes from Acts, chapter 1, from 1 to 11. Jesus taken up into heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Beth. Thank you for reading to us from the Bible. That passage was from Acts chapter 1, which speaks of the ascension of Jesus. And uh, last Thursday in the church, uh, we celebrated in the church year the ascension of Jesus, because it's 40 days after Easter. Can you believe it's been uh, that long since Easter, 40 days? Uh, Why don't we pray, and uh, we'll just share a few thoughts from the Bible um, this morning. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for the baptisms we've witnessed this morning. Thank you, Father, that through the waters of baptism, you have blessed these candidates. But Lord, it's a reminder to us all of our own baptisms. Or perhaps it's even a reminder for some of us who've yet to maybe make that commitment to Jesus, that encouragement that we heard through the stories, through the witnessing of these baptisms. Lord, as we come to your word this morning, more than ever in our culture and in our lives and in our society, we need to hear truth. We need to hear the good news that you have for us in a world that so often loses hope. May, Lord, this morning you bring us each hope through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Amen. We've already heard such wonderful uh, testimonies uh, to the goodness of Jesus, but I'm just going to share a few thoughts from the Bible uh, to sort of on the meaning of, of baptism. Um, a few years ago, in 2020, uh, there was a worldwide study done um, of 15,000 people 
And the question, there was only one question, and the question uh, was this, what is the greatest challenge facing the world today? You understand the question? What is the greatest challenge facing the world today? I wonder how you, what pops into your mind when that question is asked. Well, the study, 15,000 people made their responses. They also responded in what they thought the solutions were as well. And there were the top four that came out from this survey on what is the greatest challenge facing the world today. The top result by a long way was climate change and loss of biodiversity. That was number one. Was that number one for anyone? Is that what popped in anyone's mind? Climate change and loss of biodiversity. Number two was violence and conflict. Number three was discrimination and equality. And number four was lack of food, water, and housing. Those were the top four challenges facing the world today. The top solutions, the number one solution that people uh, came back from 15,000 people in this survey, the number one solution was education. Education. And then the second was global cooperation. But the really interesting part was... Uh, the next question to follow up was, do you think the world can solve these problems? Do you think we as a human race can solve these problems? Only one in four people had confidence that we could. One in four. The majority of people just don't think these problems can be solved. Okay, so that's us. But what if we were to ask God the same question? What is the greatest challenge facing the world today? What would God say? And then, what do you think his solution would be? Do you understand that? Okay. Well, Jesus says that all those problems that were listed in the top four, he says those are all symptoms of an even greater problem. See, all of those problems that were mentioned, they're not the root cause of the problems, they are the symptoms of what's going wrong with the world. Jesus points somewhere else to what the greatest challenge is in the world today. And he says it's the human heart. The human heart is the greatest challenge the world faces today, or in any age. See, Jesus said this, he said, what comes out of a person is what is wrong with the world. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. That's what he says. And he says all these evils come from inside and make a person unclean. See, all the problems that we see in the world... They are real and they are bad, aren't they? They do need addressing. But if we can only address the outside symptoms, we're not getting to the heart of the matter. So when God looks at the world, he says the problem is the human heart. In 1910, uh, the, the Times magazine, the London Times newspaper, put a question and invited responses from the public. And the question was this, it was the same question, what is wrong with the world? And at that time, there was a very famous Christian called G.K. Chesterton. Some of you might have heard of him. Uh, He was a a great writer and columnist. And he just simply wrote back a a, a four-word essay, just four words he wrote back, and he said, dear sirs, I am. 
That was his answer. What's wrong with the world today? I am. And perhaps through some of the testimonies that we heard this morning, you could see that each of them, God put the finger on the problem. It's not just all the mess that's going on out there that's the problem. It's my own heart. It's our own heart. So if that's the problem, what does the Bible say is the solution? Well, Jesus, right before his ascension, before he ascended back into heaven, some of the last words that he said to his disciples as he left for heaven, he said these words, and it gives us a clue to what he thinks the solution is. He says to them, all authority, Jesus says, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What's the last thing Jesus says as he leaves, as he goes to the throne room of heaven with all authority and all power to solve all the world's problems? What does he say? The thing that he wants us to do is baptize people, just as we've seen today. That is his solution to the world's problems. I wonder if you asked all the politicians around the world and you said, what are your, what's your manifesto for solving all these problems in your country? How many of them would even have in the top 100 of their list of solutions, baptism? Probably none. And yet God says that is the solution. To go and make disciples, to teach them the good news, and to baptise them. Well, how is baptism a solution? How's that going to help anything? Because baptism deals with the human heart. If the human heart is the problem, baptism deals with the heart of the issue. Not just the symptoms and the outside stuff that deals with the heart. How does it do that? Well, water is a sign of washing, isn't it? Washing away of not just the problems on the outside. We can all do that at home in our bathtubs and in our showers, wash away all the outside things. But the waters of baptism spiritually signify that God can wash away the sins of our hearts, our soul, and make them clean. There's a word in the Bible called atonement. Have you ever heard of that word, atonement? It's, it's a kind of a fancy Bible word of saying, how can we wipe the slate clean? With all the stuff that's gone on in the world and in my life, how can we atone for our sins? How can we wipe the slate clean? Imagine for a moment um, that... Uh, and I, it's unlikely to happen, but imagine I was driving in my car and I was speeding, and uh, I get caught, I see a flash, and I think, oh no, I'm going to get something in the letter, and lo and behold, a letter comes through with my fine uh, and points on my license, okay? How am I going to atone for, how, how am I going to wipe that slate clean from that mistake? Well, first of all, there's a fine, so I can pay the fine, and I can wait three or four years and be a good driver and eventually the slate is wiped clean. Anyone had that happen to you before? It's confession time. But there's a way, isn't there, to atone for that mistake. There's a way back from it. There's a way to have your record clean, okay? But the Bible says there is no possible way for us to atone for all that's gone wrong with the world. 
It's too late. Too much has passed under the bridge. Too much has occurred that we could right the wrongs of the past. How many of us, both as nations and societies, but also as individuals, we're trying to atone for ourselves in some way, wash away and get rid of the mistakes that have happened, nation against nation, historical crime against uh, others. All the, think of all the things that have happened over even the past 10, 20, 30 years that we simply cannot wash away any longer, no matter how much good we try and do, no matter how much money we throw at the problem, nothing's ever enough. The wars continue, the hate continues. The Bible says, if your approach to life is to try and clean your own slate, it'll never be enough. There's only one way we can atone. There's only one way we can wash away all the wrongs of this world and put it right. And God says that is through baptism. It's through dying and rising with Christ. It is about allowing the blood of Jesus to cover you, to pay the price for you. And the life of Jesus, his good works is enough to atone for all of our wrongs. There's only one way. And I know many of us, including myself, we're so often trying to prove ourselves in life, aren't we? We're so often trying to convince other people that we're good, that we're doing things right and that we deserve good things and acceptance and credit. It's never enough, is it? Deep down, we know there's a problem. And God says, until you come to Jesus, you will never feel your guilt and shame washed away. You'll never have a clean start. And then baptism is able to fix something that is irreparably broken. Baptism is a wonderful way of saying the problems with the world, they can't just be tidied up and put back together and, and fixed and made new. Something much more radical has to happen. In order to fix the problems of the world, first there needs to be a death before God can raise it to new life. Let me try and give a, a very basic illustration of this. Imagine you're driving in your car. It's another car illustration for us today. Driving in your car, and in your passenger seat, you've just picked up a very fancy birthday cake. Can you picture it? On, your, on the passenger seat, it's strapped in. It's nice and safe. And you're driving along, and you have to suddenly brake really hard. Can you picture it in your mind? And you see this cake and you sort of slow motion, you go, no. And you see this cake just flying straight into the dashboard in front. And, and you know when you open that box, it's going to look different than when you picked it up. It was a nice cream one with decoration on it and everything, okay? Now, obviously you're taking it to the party or whatever. There's no chance, is there, of you smushing it back together, Okay? You can have all your tools and stuff and kit. No matter what, how good a job you do, it's never going to look like how it once did. You can't fix that. And that's a bit of a silly illustration, but sometimes we think we can fix ourselves and the world's problems, dealing with the surface stuff, trying to put it all back together. And the waters of baptism teach us 
that God says to the solutions, no, your heart needs to die. It cannot be fixed. It needs to be put to death, done away with, and start again. It needs a new, brand new heart and a brand new spirit to be put in you that you might start living the life of God. And we heard it, didn't we, today in the stories. We heard how so, so many of them couldn't put their lives back together again. And somehow they just set to give their lives over to Jesus. And he did it. He gave a new heart and a new spirit. Finally, baptism then. How does baptism solve the world's problems? Did you notice that Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God gives us a new name through baptism. He gives us a new family to belong to. No longer am I Tom Lowe, I'm Tom, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. He gives me his name. He is now my father. God is now my father. Jesus is my brother and the Holy Spirit is my closest comforter and friend who lives within me. And I now belong, through baptism, we all belong to a new family where there is no longer divisions. There is no longer nationalities and classes and ages and inequality. Doesn't matter what job you have, what background you come from, what previous hostilities you might have had with your neighbour. When we receive the new name of Jesus, all that goes away and that becomes our primary family. Baptism then solves all the world's problems. When people bear the name of God, we can have peace. See, the world might be able to Stop wars happening. We might be able to do that. We might be able to bring peace outwardly. But the world and the governments of this world cannot give us peace of heart. The world might be able to stop us hurting each other and good laws and good governments might protect us from one another. But it can't make us love one another. Only God can do that. Only by bearing his name. So just finishing then with my question. Was Jesus right or was he wrong? Is the world's problem the human heart? And is the solution baptism? That's a big question for all of us. A big question as we go about living in this world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the witness today of the transformation in the lives of those who you have baptised and saved. Father, the world is facing so many huge problems. But Father, would you give us confidence that it is the good news of Jesus and the waters of baptism of committing our lives to you and dying and rising with you and having the slate washed clean that is the way forward. That is the solution. And I pray for anyone, Lord, who is struggling this morning, struggling with belonging, struggling with their own heart and soul, feeling guilt and shame, or even feeling anger and hatred. 
Lord, may they actually begin to see there is hope in Jesus Christ. We give you great thanks for the good news that there is hope for all of us through the waters of baptism. And so in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.